Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole and OU Football Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined as always by the three cohorts in crime. We've got Matt, Brady, and Alan. Before I jump straight into this, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for Vanessa House for keeping the lights on. We thought after the Kansas game they were going to shutter us, but they've decided to keep supporting us. Uh, same thing with uh, Spirit Shop as well. And then um, moving forward, uh, our, the last little bit of our support from Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails, please go check all three of those out. Those are the businesses that support us on our advertising. You hear their commercials throughout the podcast. But the people who really support us on a very uh, personal level, in my opinion, who are there for the game chats, they, they survived the, can, the Kansas uh, trench lines with Brady and I uh, on the Patreon app. As our patrons are on patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Thank you guys so much for uh, staying on there. And then also trying to give me some uh, different illegal feeds to watch the football game other than the uh, some guy filming it on his own uh, uh, cell phone and posting it onto YouTube. Uh, that's what I was trying to do uh, on that Kansas game. But anyway, <clears throat> let's jump into it. Uh, guys, OU is number nine in the initial poll uh, for the playoff committee. Should with where OU is right now and, uh, and the game they had against Kansas and the uh, previous game against UCF as well, Brady, should Oklahoma fans have any care whatsoever about being ranked in any poll right now that may uh, involve the playoff? I think first things first, should we give a shout out to a new patron to our latest? We should one? go for yeah. it. Yeah, Evan Spencer, thank you so much for joining the Patreon page. We truly appreciate your patronage. Thank you very much. And if you're interested, uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole but thank you Evan Spencer um, I don't know who you are but thank you very much no uh, no one should really care um, at the end of the day though I'm just as probably pleasantly surprised as everybody else that hey we're ninth in the college football playoff that's a uh, pretty damn good considering what uh, the general consensus feeling was Saturday afternoon Saturday evening Sunday when Matt and I were on the no cap recap and still kind of in the process of picking our minds back up after we had lost them on Saturday. So uh, I, I think with the ranking, great. But um, all it does is it still keeps a lot of the same goals intact. Like there is a path. Um, fortunately, Kansas jumped into the ranking. So oh, you can at least say, well, we lost to a ranked team um, just like Texas did, which, hey, happened to be us. So um, there is still a path for OU to uh, pick themselves back up. Hopefully they get healthy this week going into Stillwater. And if they take care of business in Stillwater, like they have done 91 times in 117 years, um, then 
we're going to be right back to where we were going into Kansas. So uh, that's it's a good feeling. It's the best feeling you could ask for following a disastrous loss. I, I wanted to get that right off the bat before we started anything else because it's the most recent news, and, and Brady always has a, a very uh, strong delivery in, in how this level uh, your expectations now to place some of them within a frame of reference. Uh, I, we do have a run of show. We're going to follow that through. We're going to start off as we always do and react about uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma's first blemish to the season at this point in time. Obviously, hopefully they're only one, uh, but I'm thinking maybe our collective minds may think that may not be the case. Uh, especially Alan, who's been picking this Bedlam game since before uh, I was born. <laughs> uh, 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 but Oklahoma loses to Kansas. Lance Leopold having two weeks to prepare for Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma being down, I believe, like 10 contributors. I mean, the moment you really have to start putting uh, Connie Walker out there for like actual minutes is is, is, is an issue uh, death-wise, in my personal opinion. Uh, just as a player, I'm sure, again, as a human being, he's more than fine. Um, but as uh, And then OU just kind of gets... I don't know. The defense looks very, very bad, and the offense situationally does not seem to know what it's doing and can't get out of its way. A uh, friend of the pod, uh, Bill Connolly, on Twitter, maybe instigating a little bit, saying, hey, the offense is fine. It's really the defense. And if you look at SP+, Plus, as Oklahoma's offense sitting at fifth in the nation, um, and if that's the case, I feel extremely bad for the other 125-plus teams <laughs> that have an offense that's frustra- more frustrating than what I had to watch uh, against Kansas. Uh, I think Oklahoma is able to pass by statistically and on models very well right now for when they do hum, they hum. It's just I would like to see it broken down from like third downs, you know, your quote-unquote money downs and stuff, that situational side of it. Um Brady and, and, and Matt already had a very, very lengthy breakdown and, and reaction to this game. Alan, what are your some what are some of your uh, your, your uh, you know uncut reactions to this Kansas uh, Oklahoma game? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I wrote about this actually for our uh, patrons right afterwards that the longer the week went on last week the, and the more I heard about everything that was kind of like building up or mounting. Uh, kind of behind the scenes and and knowing what the weather was going to be like and whatnot, it just felt like a really really uh, perilous situation for OU, and uh, that's what we got right. I mean, basically with the just ba- with how everything even just started. I mean, you know what OU's third play of the game, throwing a pick six, like it, it just felt like one of those games where. Eh, it was just going to be bizarre. And, you know, I mean, I've seen, OU you lose bizarre games this way before. It reminded me a lot, actually, back like 2011, I think. OU was undefeated and was like, you know, almost a 40-point favorite or something like that over Texas Tech. And there was it was a similar kind of deal where, like, there was a weather delay and everybody kind of was out of their sink. And, like, OU started off fumbling really a, a bunch and – uh, you know, Texas Tech hit a couple big plays early. You know, you tried to make a comeback at the end. Everybody was like, oh, well, you will come back. And it just didn't work out that way. This one was played out a little bit differently. But um, no, you know, I don't know. I felt like it was kind of just the culmination of a whole lot of, uh, you know, kind of, oh, you had been asking for it for a few games. And it finally, uh, finally kind of fell, fell apart. Yeah, it really seemed like, oh, you just didn't want to be there. <laughs> uh, you could just see how the off, you know, defense wasn't setting the edge. Offense what kind of was kind of going through the stuff in, in it. This team just isn't talented enough or uh, deep enough to be able to withstand that level of 
I don't know, attention to detail. I mean, I know Brent really hit hit that hard at, at his press conference talking about execution, attention to detail. You know, somebody brought up um, at the UCF game and he kind of stopped him and said, we were a couple plays away from beating them by, you know, multiple touchdowns. Yeah. And it's, and I get why you say it, but I don't like hearing coaches say that. <laughs> it's like, well, we could have won by more. It's like, well, you didn't. Like, there's there's realities to things. Like, I understand it from from both sides of that. Um, and like, I think the thing that people are maybe missing on is that, and you give Lance Leopold two weeks, he's going to he's going to have something for you. The, I mean, the dude's an extremely good coach. He's had that same coaching staff basically with him for like a decade almost now. I mean, they all know what to do. They're very very professional. Uh, the stuff that's annoying is that, I mean, both both running backs for Kansas would start for Oklahoma. You know, stuff like that's kind of annoying where you're getting out talented. Brady yeah. it wants to talk, but he's very, very muted. No, would they? Or would one start one game and then the other one start the next one? <laughs> one would get suspended and then one would, you know, I mean, like. Yeah, yeah, one, series to series, yeah. One One would get shut down for the season until, oh, never mind. Healed. It's a miracle. Um, I, I think we, I think it's just kind of, I don't, it's disheartening, obviously to watch Oklahoma lose, especially after Texas. Uh, and then what we thought was the wake up call against uh, central Florida and, and kind of getting this together, knowing Kansas was a good football team, knowing it was their homecoming. I don't know how obviously that's not a big deal at all, but it's just like this whole thing, you know, sold out crowd, everything of that. You've got big noon kickoff there. It's, it's obviously a big game environment to just come out and not want to play the football game. It, it seemed like in certain degrees, uh, it, very much so Tommy Walker wanted to play. <laughs> and if he hadn't gone down, now I'm gonna sound like Brent. Like if one thing hadn't happened, I mean, if Tommy Walker doesn't go down, Oklahoma could probably ride that out. But I mean, if, if your backup option is giving the ball to, to Gavin Freeman or giving the ball to Farouk in the backfield, you don't have a backup plan like that. I mean, Matt, when you see this, I mean, is it just, is this all just pure injury at that point in time? Is that what we can chalk it up to? Or is it just the coaches don't have some of these guys prepared and ready? I mean, beating ball still rotating guys in, you know, Sawchuck is good to get some carries, but not good enough to get 10, 15 to help out. I mean, it doesn't seem to make sense for me sitting in an empty room. To me, it felt like, you know, I know Dylan Gabriel is bad to start the football game, throws a pick six, all that stuff. I mean, this was my main – one of my main things that Brady and I talked about on the no-cap recap is it felt like Jeff Levy just didn't trust him at that point. Like, it just felt like he just completely went away from Dylan Gabriel, whether that's the weather, whether that's – you know, I highly doubt Dylan said something. Like, I just don't have it today. I highly doubt that happened. Uh, it just felt like Jeff Levy panicked and went completely away from what they had done well and took the ball completely out of. And again, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Like Dylan Gabriel was a Heisman candidate up until that point. Correct? Like, am I saying anything that we're not all agreeing with? No, I'm not saying that he was going to win the Heisman, but he was in the conversation at least. And he takes the ball completely out of his hands. Tommy Walker, that stuff was working, but still, like, there were moments in the ball game where Kansas was daring, basically begging OU to throw the football, and they wouldn't do it. You know, they tried to a, a couple of times, hit Nick Anderson uh, for an 18-yard gain. It was pretty good. Drew Nick Anderson also drew defensive pass interference. Like, they were trying to they, – they just stopped trying. 
to throw the football. I know it was working with Tommy Walker, but then, you know, even when that doesn't work, it's like, you know, ramming your head against the wall, trying to break the wall down when there's a door sitting right next to you. Like, Hey, you got a 50 year senior quarterback. Yeah. He threw an interception, but it's not like he hasn't thrown an interception before and hasn't bounced back from an interception. It just, it felt like Le- Levy got a little bit shell shocked and, you know, it, it just, I don't know. It was all, it was all confusing and I'm sick and tired of hearing every single, after every single loss, man, Jeff Levy gets asked a question. His same response to every question is, oh, I just got to do a better job coaching. Oh, we just got to, we'll we got to execute better. I'll go back and look at the film and we'll reevaluate. That's his, that's his answer to every single question. Doesn't matter what it is. Oh, we just got to coach better. Well, at what you go back and listen to all of the losses last year, the post game with Jeff Levy, it's the exact same fucking answer. And I just I, I'm sick and tired of hearing. I get it, you're pissed off, you lost. You know, offense didn't roll the way you thought it was going to roll. Uh, you're talking to media members that don't know as much about football as you. Uh, you're a lot smarter than everybody else. We get it, but I'm I'm just sick and tired after every loss hearing Jeff Levy say, uh, "Just got to coach better." That's all it comes down to. It's annoying. Yeah. Real quick. The, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is it, it felt to me like it felt to me like going into the game, they, they all kind of like the coaching staff maybe agreed or something. They were that like Gabriel is not good in these kinds of conditions. Like you've got to, you've got to pay attention to that. And then, you know, then play someone six, who is. Yeah. Well, and that's the, and that's the thing is like, then throwing that pick six right off the bat, just like confirmed all their worst fears maybe about like it or something. And then, but you're, you're right. It's kind of like, well, you know, he's not good in these conditions. Well, that's not necessarily a good reason not to, not to have a better or have a more aggressive game plan, you know? Enjoy great food and drinks at the original Norman Hotspot and its first cocktail bar. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails is our choice for quality meals and drinks to enjoy the next time you're looking for a great night out. With locations in historic downtown Norman on Main Street and the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma fans from all over the metro can enjoy Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Also, be sure to pick up or ask about Scratch's ready-made old-fashioned cocktail at your local wine and spirit store. Take the best Scratch concoction home to sit on your lounge chair and continue listening to this episode scratch kitchen and cocktails great food drinks and atmosphere i was just gonna say peyton when you were mentioning you know tommy walker i don't think i i don't think matt and i talked about this in particular from this angle i think we just talked about that final drive just as it occurred but i will say like if tommy walker isn't hurt and he goes out onto the final drive instead of Japonte barnes um if they had just run the same plays, I mean, Tommy Walker could have very well picked up five or six yards because that's what he did. And then second down, you pick up the first down, the game's basically over from that point on. Um, but I will say if Tawi is still there and playing, then I would would have wanted Jeff Levy to still be aggressive and maybe throw it in, in one situation or on one play. Because my problem with that final drive was just the complete and utter lack of aggressiveness and i mean that kind of touches on what you're talking about matt with just taking the ball out of dylan's hands and it's like yeah i mean they did the right thing after that pick six they had dylan throw sideways just to see the ball leave his hand and be caught by a teammate you know you kind of get that out of your head 
um, get him in a better spot. And then as the running game took off, Dylan became more comfortable and um, was able to assert himself on the ground. He, he just did not play like a player who was spooked. He didn't play like, oh, he doesn't have it today. I never had that feeling with uh, Dylan Gabriel, but in particular on that last drive, even if Tawi's out there, I still want to see at least one, you know, at least an RPO that just shows we're trying to win the game, not just sneak out of here with a win that we kind of got lucky with. And, and again, too, I like, I know I'm, you know, kind of hopping on, like heaping it on Jeff Levy or whatever. Like, I know there's, there's play there. It's, it is true. Like players are, are going to have to execute like all that stuff. I, I think there was a run where Javante Barnes apparently is like, if he just hits the right hole and follows yeah. the blocks, he's scoring a touchdown. So like, there's, there's not anything Jeff Levy can do about that. He called the right play and they blocked it up. Right. They just made a bad decision but uh, the game as a whole it just like obviously there it, it just it is annoying to me the same answer after every single loss it's annoying someone should have pulled a fast one and asked if he uh if hey jeff do you support a ground invasion provide <laughs> no context <laughs> well we just need to execute wait what would you would you say would you ask me i i do think the conservative nature of the game had already the seeds to it had already had already happened before the half. You know, Alan's talking about you know what we're hearing about before the game happened. You know, you're hearing about X amount of them have flu, missing practice. I mean, you know, getting on you know, an injury table, so on and so forth. And yeah, I think OU was down like ten plus. You know, off their too deep and all that type of stuff. And I, and I do truly understand that. But I'm not being paid seven million dollars to manage a team and manage to get wins. <laughs> you know, that's, that's at the end of the day, it's what you're being paid to do. And once Oklahoma had the ball before the half, and I think it was like 45 seconds, something like that, it's not a ton of time, but it's time enough to try to do something. And instead, Oklahoma packed it up, kneeled it, went to the half. Now, there's a lot of ways we can look at it. And even I looked at it in the moment and said, hey, the game's a little bit tight right now, but Oklahoma's averaging like five yards of carry. <laughs> OU was starting to move away. There was some, there was some fluky stuff that happened early in the game, but OU kind of figured it out right now then there's a you know there's also the delay and all that type of stuff so i understood it then but what i then it now i'm kind of thinking about saying hey brent was playing the we're the champ to beat the champ you have to what beat the champ you know rick flair be the man you gotta beat the man the same thing if like uh, uh the boxer fury the other day it, it, he won largely because he was the champion <laughs> if he wasn't a champion that's not split decision the other guy wins <laughs> but you have to put the champion down and you can tell brent was coaching very conservatively from that perspective which is odd to me that that's changed so much because earlier in the year he was asked, are you going to redshirt some of these guys? You're going to do this. And he basically said, we don't got the opportunity to do that. <laughs> we have to be aggressive. We have to do this. We have to win football games or we're not going to be around <laughs> to worry about people are redshirting, basically, to see how quickly that has changed or that's flipped. Now, there's obviously external circumstances of, like I said, we have weather conditions. We have sickness. We've got the wind <laughs> in Kansas, oh. uh, you know, all that type of stuff. So I do understand it. But there obviously is a mentality switch that happened, in my personal opinion, post uh, pre and then post Texas. I do think there was a shift of, oh, no, we might be kind of good. And now we have to protect it, I guess, versus we're out here having to prove every single week and just get it figured out. And I think there has been a, a slip in there. We can hand wave it as much as we want, but 
I mean, you read there's there's countless articles of like talking to gold medalists at Olympics. Like, what happens after you win a gold medal? And they're like, I have no fucking clue. Like, I don't know yeah. what to do with my life. I mean, just it happens. I mean, Oklahoma, forty nine and oh one year to win it the next year. It, it's a thing. It's an emotional thing, and these are people who are still developing emotionally. That said, that's two weeks ago. Brent said there is no hangover. I have to believe him. But you can tell he was coaching from a more conservative standpoint versus what he was earlier in the year. Because a more conservative coach isn't from the beat Arkansas State 73 to zero. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there, there's something had flipped in that point in time from that perspective. Do you mean, did, do you, do you guys think I'm maybe off on that in any way, shape, or form? Or is it purely just, hey, it's super windy. Dylan's not got it. Just pack it up and we'll win it in the second half. Well, I mean, I think if you look at that drive, what they did, I believe first play, right? They did try, they, they ran like, I think they ran with Sawchuck and he got dropped for a one yard loss. And that's when they decided to pack it in. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, maybe if they get five or six yards on that play, instead of a one yard loss, maybe then they're thinking, okay, we can get, let's get this moving. Um, Maybe, but like, I think Brady kind of pointed this in his Monday post about how he's tired of being everybody's Super Bowl for OU. And like, I think one thing to think about is like the last two games, they've played against two really good offensive coaches, um, you know, in back to back games who both have had the week off before. Now, of course, you can say, oh, you had, well, you had the week off after Texas, just like UCF. That's true. But OU is also probably not going to put in as much time game planning for UCF. I mean, UCF, if they get a win over OU that in their first year in the Big 12, that changes a whole lot of stories for their for their entire program for this season. Kansas, same thing. I mean, you know, them knocking off OU, that's a big deal. Um, and so it, it's it's stuff like that where you know you start thinking about like what what are the rhythms of the season going to look like in the future, but for right now, I mean, you know, this is what you, this is what you're dealing with. I I mean, the offense is the offense. Obviously, there are issues there, but I mean, we can't really also we can't overlook the fact that I mean, tackling on defense has gone down significantly uh, in the past couple of weeks. I mean, I don't and I again, I don't know if that's a function of Offense is figuring out who to attack. I don't know if that's ding, a ding, of ding, focus. Ding, ding. I mean, I don't know, but like it, it, it seems like we've seen two really, really bad games from Jaron Canick right in a row, which makes me think maybe they picked out, they found something there. Yeah, I want to, I want to go off topic a little bit. Uh, over on uh, in, in Red Dirt Sports Patreon to go support him as well. Alan and I were trying to talk uh, a little football in there, which it can be a bit of a mad show sometimes. Uh, football talk sometimes isn't always welcome as we're talking about different food recipes. Uh, uh, I think you're right on that perspective of if you give Big 12 coaches a little bit of tape, they're going to figure out a way to make your life hell. And they're going to make Jerry Canick's life hell, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Gundy... I, he has his he has his issues and his warts and stuff, but he's good enough to to look at that tape and say, "Oh yeah, that linebacker yeah. is going to be in hell during you know next week," and he knows how to do it. And they're smart enough to all do that. Now, maybe in the SEC, obviously SEC has good coaches and stuff, but my personal opinion is that that is a talent collection league, and then your job is to get out of the player's way to a certain degree uh, uh, yeah. instead of having to overcome, you know, maybe a lack of talent or a lack of depth like a Kansas or a Kansas state has to do. So they have to be cutting edge on the coaching side of it. Um, 
I, I don't know if that's easier or, or not. I mean, is it easier to go against, uh, you know, Iowa State's 335 umbrella coverage, or is it easier to stop Georgia's uh, four or five star defensive tackles? <laughs> you know, it, it's <laughs> pick one or the other. They're both hard in their own different ways. So uh, it's just something to kind of think about maybe why OU's offense, I mean, sorry, defense is starting to come apart at the edges. I mean, it's one, it's playing better football teams. And two, they're just playing really, really damn good head football coaches who are offensively minded. I mean, this isn't like flukes and stuff other than tackling. Tackling is effort. Tackling is pure effort. I mean, it's hard for me to say that in any other way, shape or form. They are trying to prove a point early in the season and they put people on the ground. And now they're kind of reaching and grabbing and lunging and they're not driving people. And I don't know why. Uh, other than there's like bad tendencies that are starting to pop up that are the same tendencies OU's had for the last, last decade. Well, I mean, guys, I, I don't I don't really want to give the defense a pass because, I mean, I, I was critical of their final drive against UCF, and I was like, I hope that that's not what we see going into Kansas. And for the first quarter, that's what we saw. And then spots in between the first, you know, two drives outside of that fourth down stop on the first the absolute first drive. And then the very end, I mean, we saw kind of a lot of the same warts at the same time, though, it's a team sport and the offense, just not having an identity or losing the rhythm and the, um, the pace that it had through the first five, six, seven games or the first five, six games, excuse me. Uh, that's, I think really affected the defense because like Jaron Canick and Key Lawrence missing tackles. Unfortunately, with Key Lawrence, he's he's improved as a player this year and he's become solid, but he can still kind of show like his flaws that we've seen over the last two seasons where he will just straight up miss a tackle in the hole, like when he's got him dead to rights. Jaron Canick just over pursues and then reaches for people because he, I, I guess, just doesn't know what he's doing from a linebacker standpoint, um, knowing the position. Um, but everything else is just. I think more of a a side effect of just fatigue of we're out here trying to make plays because in UC in the UCF game and in the Kansas game, um, I mean, Peyton, was it you that you, you, you shared some graphic, some fancy thing about that basically suggested that, you know, play to play. OU won the game. And OU was the better team in the game. It was just, yes. it was yeah, just 10. Um, yeah, Parker Stavor, who will more than likely be our TCU preview podcast guy, does a, a, an EPA success rate after each uh, each week, showing you on an EPA down to down basis, kind of removing quote unquote outlier plays. Um, who did your team win from the way you expected, or did they lose in, in a fluky way? Uh, and it showed Oklahoma pretty handedly from the EPA perspective was the better team against UCF. And it also shows that pretty handily they're the better football team than Kansas was as well. If you remove a pick six, uh, you know, a fumbled kick return, you know, if you, if you remove all these weird plays, Oklahoma was the much better football team um, that day. The issue is you can't remove those plays. You can't and remove that's them. the yeah. reality that happens, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it lets you know if, if a quote unquote normal football game had been played, whatever that means. Um, you're right there. I mean, and even well, then you would sit there and say, well, oh, you had some fluky stuff. That's why they lost Kansas. They also intercepted. They, like, Bean was trying to throw the ball away. Like mm-hmm. he could have had like five interceptions that game. I mean, and they, oh, you couldn't capitalize, you know, as yeah. certain ways. You can't sit there and say, look at this play. The wide receiver clearly didn't establish himself. Why did they give him that play? 
you can't say you lost by one because of one play or one call. I mean, it's, right. it, it's a full symptom of everything that happened. And Oklahoma did not, I'm getting slightly, I'm getting like some stand-up energy. I apologize. Uh, Oklahoma did not play at a level in which, you know, it would have quote unquote defended the standard, you know, from a Brent Venables uh, yeah. uh, quote. Yeah. But, it, but I mean, I mean, it does kind of suggest some evidence to combat against what I kind of see as just lazy or casual um, opinions lobbed at OU because they had an upset loss um, to Kansas. I, I mean, I'm not going to pick on Joel Klatt, but I, I just watched his video clip where he talked about OU losing to Kansas. And I mean, it was weird. Like big noon kickoff was there, but they sent Joel and Gus to the Utah Oregon game, which was by far much worse as it mm. turned out. Um, I'm sure Gus would have loved to have been at the OU Kansas game the way that it turned out, but oh well. But Joel basically talked about the game as if like clearly he didn't watch it. He just kind of followed it, looked at some numbers and then went, oh, yep, that defense is starting to show like it's 2022 all over again. And it's like, with all due respect, I don't see that. The first quarter of the tackling was bad. They shorted up basically the rest of the game. Uh, Those last those big plays that Kansas made. Um, <laughs> I mean, Jason Bean ran untouched, so there wasn't a missed tackle on that play. It was a much different mm-hmm. problem. And then um, you got Kanai Walker just completely getting lazy on that fourth down. Um, the tackling got short up. For the most part, to me, it's just the offense's problem because one of the big reasons why the the defense, I thought, really showed improvement earlier in the year had less to do with what the defense was actually doing and the fact that the offense wasn't going out on three and out drives in 45 fucking seconds like they were doing at the back half of last year. Um, So you just throw your guys out there over and over again. And at some point they're going to get tired and start making mistakes and reaching for ball carriers when they would have otherwise like drove them to the ground earlier when they were fresher. So um, now it's pivotal for OU to kind of show that I'm, that I know what I'm talking about when they go to Stillwater uh, because I mean, this is an offense with Oklahoma state that presents a one dimensional challenge, a very big one dimensional challenge, but it's not like Alan Bowman can, can run. And it's really not like he can throw. So prove me right. Seriously. Um, If it truly has just been like the offense losing some rhythm and that's affected the defense and the defense isn't as bad, they're not near as bad as they've shown the last two weeks, then they have a great opportunity to do so. But if they don't, then that'll be it for me, like kind of defending them. Like I I don't want to give them a pass because all those big fluky ass plays happened and they were detrimental. But at the same time, I can't ignore that. Those two interceptions were absolute sooner magic plays. Like, like, I mean the, the PBU that led to an interception that led to OU scoring a touchdown to get the lead. And then an interception by a fucking defensive end to just essentially ice the game in a game that you had no business winning the way that it felt, the way that it looked, the call, the play calling, the decision-making, everything. Those that the defense made the plays at the end of the day to just basically make you make everybody forget about what happened prior. And I, I don't want to forget that. And I hope that they still understand that. No, we're good enough to make plays. Um, We can go save this team in this season and we can start on Saturday against Oklahoma state. The Spirit Shop has been Norman's source for wine, beer, and spirits since 1976. We feature the biggest selection and best prices in town. Thousands of different wines, beers, spirits, and more. Live in Norman? We deliver all over town, every day, usually in under an hour. Let us bring the party to you. 
Go to our website and order online at www.thespiritshop.org or give us a call at 405-321-3100. That's 405-321-3100. In from out of town for the game, come see us at the corner of Main and Barry, just two miles east of I-35. Take the Main Street exit and browse thousands of fine wines and hard-to-find bourbon in store. Yeah, that's, I mean the tackling did get shored up. I, I, I'll have to, I'm going to review that on the tape, re- on the film review. I want to break down every play Kansas had over 20 yards. So it may be the longest film review we've ever done. I've ever <laughs> done. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sh- sh- I'll have to relook on that. But some of the stuff that didn't get fixed was like other effort plays, in my opinion, like setting the edge, <laughs> not allowing yourself getting strung out. I mean, sure, when the play when the player comes to you, you tackle them. But there's stuff like. Canick needs it needed. I'm just going to say that name. I don't know, but like he needed to take on that block so the guy behind him could make. You know, it's like there's there's there was grit, there was quote unquote gritty football plays that effort is the only thing keeping you from making them, which is sometimes you put your body in harm's way <laughs> uh, to allow somebody else to make the play behind you, and you know it's like the Captain America, you, you know, the lay across the, the line and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, sometimes you got to do it. It's football. Um, it just wasn't getting, in my opinion, getting done. And some of that is kind of like half the team's sick. The other half's injured. It's cold. It's rainy. They tried to do the stupid thing where they wanted to warm up without their shirts on, which I was like, oh, that's never a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. It's cold. We all know it is. If you're trying to act tough, usually it, there's an issue there at that point in time. Um, but let, let's move on from the Kansas of it all. Uh, we've walked through this a uh, pretty good distance on that. Usually those are short reactions. Uh, Brent did have a uh, press conference that I've been able to read some stuff from uh, in some public reaction I've seen from this where, where he's basically saying, yeah, fans have a right to be mad. They have a right to be mad. We have a, this is Oklahoma. There's, there's expectations to be had here, uh, especially when they're talking about the offense. I mean, usually Brent is a very much so a, a, a coach's coach. He's going to defend people. He's going to, Maybe not go full Dabo level, as we saw uh, over the weekend, but he's going to make sure that people understand, hey, we're working on it. You know, he, he's very much that way, too, just much more uh, verbose, I guess, uh, uh, you know, uh, an open fire hydrant when it comes to his word selection. But he seemed very to the point and very like, um, I don't know, like wasn't short, he was short with his words about fan expectations and fans uh, feelings towards his Oklahoma offense. I mean, Matt, you've, you know, the flagship over there, you're run, you're basically running that whole place. I've seen, I've seen the inside of that. I mean, you're holding no, cords and stuff. You're putting the fingers not in the all. hole in the dam. Um, I mean, is there anything to be said of that when these press conferences are, you hear, you, you hear answers like that, where it's like, yeah, fans deserve to be mad at the offense. It's not up to Oklahoma standard. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that a lot today, especially after, you know, Brent's comments. And uh, that is one thing I do, I do like about, about Brent for the most part, like he's, he's going to say what, what he's thinking for the most part, right. He's not going to go like full on, you know, rampage mode, if you will. <laughs> like he, he's going to say uh, what's on his mind. And I, I think it's better, especially when you're in a place like Oklahoma where football does mean so much to so many people and all those expectations are there year in year out. Uh, I mean, doesn't matter if you go six and seven, doesn't matter if you go 12, 13 and zero. like those expectations are not going to change. And I think it would be, it would be very counterintuitive if he went up to the podium and was like, no, you guys don't have to be mad. Like 
I'm smarter than all of you. Like, no, everything's fine. We're close. You know, uh, if you, if you would have done that, then the fan base would be like, okay, what the hell? Like, what is this? But no, Brent leaned into it and he should, right? I mean, obviously any fan base, especially of a blue blood program, they're going to have some passionate crazies that just, just going to happen. And they do have a right to be pissed off losing the game to Kansas. I know it's not the Kansas of a couple years ago, uh, like pre Lance Leipold, but uh, it is still just on the surface. They lost to Kansas in a game they shouldn't have lost. And yeah, people are going to be pretty pissed. So you better just acknowledge that. And yep, you guys are pissed. I get it. We're pissed too. And let's move on. I'm going to combine this one with another talking point that we have. And here on Keyhole, we don't really talk about other uh, content providers, not in any way, shape, or form out of like uh, being haters or anything. It's more of just, you know, they've got their channel. We've got our channel. We talk about our stuff to talk about their stuff. But uh, Oklahoma Breakdown on their review of the game with uh, Gabe and Teddy, I've never heard them. I, I don't listen to to them because, <laughs> uh, uh, again, I try not to have a bias uh, being in, put into my, you know, subconsciously put into my brain for like inception. Um, but I did listen to it after some people said, hey, you need to listen to, to this. Uh, and, and Gabe and Teddy basically went on the deep end when it came to uh, the offensive staff and the offensive play calling um, very, very hard. I mean, it was it made me then reach out to Alan and, uh, and ask a couple other people like, are they usually this, you know, this strong worded about this stuff? And basically what I kept getting back is like, they'll get into it, but usually not this strong. Um, Alan, do you think that, I mean, I guess it's the same thing of like, like, you know, Brent is now saying some stuff and now you've got the quote unquote, you know, state wing propaganda podcast talking about some stuff. Uh, do, do you, are there any tea leaves to be read about this? I mean, if, if that, because they have access, they're, they're basically access reporting, you know, they can't do anything to damage the bridge because they need to be able to have, you know, their insider access and all that type of stuff. But if you're being that openly, you know, firebrand about a head coach, about, I'm sorry, a coordinator, like by name, not like they need to figure it out. No, it's Jeff Levy needs to figure it out. Um, is there anything to be read out of that, do you think? Or is this just, I've got too much of a big fan hat on right now and you're muted. It's not just me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't see, like, if I'm Brent Venables, the last thing I want to do is be worrying, honestly. I mean, like, getting into your head that you should be thinking one way or another about the fans. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, if, if you're talking about Brent sending a message to his players, it's more like, well, yeah, they're pissed off because we didn't play well. And, you don't want to be pissed off, you know, play better. <laughs> That's kind of the way I, I look at that. I mean, um, I don't, I didn't think anything of uh, of it really in turn. I didn't sound to me like he necessarily threw anybody under the bus. I think he was just saying, you understand, he gets, he gets the deal. I mean, him coming out there and dragging the fans at this point, you know, probably would not, it, I just don't see how it would help anything. Um, as for Gabe and Teddy, I, I mean, I did think that it was, noticeable right i mean like i hadn't seen i hadn't heard anything like that from them before um i don't know though like i mean you know this whole deal like oh well uh joe castiglione is trying to send send uh levy a message or what have you i mean like i don't know if i'd go there i think it was more just them being flat out honest like this sucked and like i mean it would be hard to have much credibility 
with anybody if you were just like oh well they try their best or what have you you know i mean like i i whether or not you think it's state it's state media you know or or what there are even lines that you know or there's there's propaganda that even state media uh will would feel um you know ashamed to put out there i mean i thought that they were just kind of being you know open about what they saw yeah i mean that that's what i'd seen from it but like i said i've had some people reach out to me and they're like hey they're usually not this uh blunt or this honest about it um it does seem like there is a level of frustration there and it to, and to me i guess the issue is like i could understand it last year you're six and seven last year you've got a losing streak last year this is you've lost one football game and it's already like okay we're tired of this shit I mean, it's not like it's we're multiple games into this. It's, you know, we're six and three or six and four. It's you're, you're seven and one and you've got people wanting messages are being sent with however way they need to be sent, <laughs> which yeah. that to me is the point where you're like, OK, whatever leash you had, you Jeff Levy again, whatever leash he had, he idiotically got rid of it. <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the thing yeah he's walking into this himself i mean like he walked through that door with the brile stuff obviously yeah. um i think that i what i heard or and the way i looked at it was like man look oh you had a lot of good momentum going here and this game did not have to go this way it was, you know, such it, I, I guess the way they looked at it was it was such a conservative game plan, a cowardly game plan that it was like they did Levy did all he could in, in their minds to create a win opportunity here for Kansas. And OU basically gave it away. And like I get, you know, I I I I generally don't like doing the whole like, oh, it's the offensive the offensive coordinator needs to call this because it's normally like, oh, that's calling, you know, call the touchdown play or whatever. But like, I get it if that was what you saw on the film. If you saw a team that just played so tentatively offensively that it 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 took it it handed a win over to Kansas. Like, yeah, that that's that's not I and mean, that's not acceptable. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that point about the the hand that Jeff's been dealt uh, here in a little bit, but I want Brady to get some time to blame the coaches. <laughs> no, I, I've no, I've been adamant that I think Jeff Levy deserves a promotion. So, um, you know, like head coaching job, I mean, it's coming tomorrow. I, I think it's, I think yeah. it has, I think he's more than deserved it. So, yeah, but you know, like to what Alan was saying, like there, yeah, you can OU has lost a handful of games over the last 10 years and they've lost them, you know, in a few different fashions um, to what you were saying, Alan, about how this, this didn't have to go this way. And it's like, well, yeah, every OU fan would say that, right? Because they lost and OU fans want to see OU win. So duh, like it's just the same argument as if you take out the the big chunk plays and, and yeah. they don't happen, but it's like at the same time though, last year when OU lost to Baylor, you could pick out some individual play calls that we all disagreed with. The, the biggest one that I can remember was putting Marcus major in at wildcat on that fourth down. Um, I can't remember what, at what point in the game it was. I think it might've been the second half, but it was like a really pivotal play. But at the end of the day, what I remember from that game is Dylan Gabriel threw three picks in the first half. Two of them weren't really his fault, but Oh, you turned the ball over three times in the first half. 
and OU ultimately lost by, they lost by what, three, but they should have lost by 10 because the running back fell down on a big run play. He could have scored. It would have been a 10-point deficit at that point. Um, but that game was lost mainly because of pl- individual player making mistakes, and it unfortunately for OU, it was the quarterback. Um, players can make mistakes. If the quarterbacks make mistakes, they kind of weigh a little bit more. Um, but if units make mistakes, like a, a bad tackling day, you know, that can undermine the game plan that can undermine the play calling. Um, but this loss in particular just really seemed like, yes, players made mistakes, but OU ultimately kind of figured itself out, decided, okay, we're just going to win this game in a boring fashion, but you know what? We're going to be eight. No. And the coaching, particularly offensive coaching just seemed like, let's try to do this though. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's not get cute. Let's not try to outsmart this. Let's leave here with a fucking win. And then we can be cute. Maybe we can be cute next week. Maybe OU starts off hot. You can call the cute ass shit that you want to. Right now we need to win. And so, I mean, I 100% agree with what you were saying, Alan, because there are different ways that OU can lose. This was not a, a loss to me that really screamed. This was due to player mistakes over coaching mistakes. This was a full-on coaching disaster, in my opinion. So talking a bit about the coaching disaster, and again, I'm not a football, you know, I've never been part of football coaching staff. I, I don't know how all this stuff works. I, I mean, when I do film reviews, I'm looking at how players are moving and like, this is what they, I think what they should have done. You know, I, I'm not going to get into a public Twitter fight with like a OU football player about who, what should have done what, you know, I don't want the always jumping in our uh, subscriptions just to DM us about how stupid we are. Uh, I think that happened to Brady, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, or some form of that story, but I don't want it to be said in that way, but I want to say like, is there an opportunity to say, Hey, and again, this is all very much so uh, crouched by the idea that Jeff Levy has put himself in this position. So he has only himself to blame in this position. Cause now he has no political will, goodwill or political power to do anything else, but be in this position is the idea of, yeah, you're trotting out on third and three or whatever it was to win the game. And uh, DeMarco Murray sends out uh, Barnes. You go, well, fuck me. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, uh, you know, Bill's out there like, hey, I want to try the ninth uh, combination of offensive linemen uh, this game. <laughs> it's like, uh, OK, uh, you know, and from what I understand is in what Brent has publicly said, your position group, they've got final say on who plays. And, uh, you know, the coordinator has to kind of deal with that. They, ha- they can have some influence, but they can't override anything. And does that make it to where? I mean, it, it, you know, if I'm Jeff Levy, sure, maybe I would want certain guys out there. But, you know, to, to win the game, you've got Gibson and Freeman as your as your wide receivers. You got Gibson running the motion stuff, you know, behind the line scrimmage to kind of see, you know, pull a defender like that's insane to me. But that's the guy who was trotted out there from that perspective, from that, you know, from the wide receivers coach. I mean, in my mind, and again, maybe I'm just totally way, way far off of this is that it's a series of bad decisions <laughs> making it to where Levy really can't do what maybe he wants to do. Again, I'm trying to paint this from like an every side of it perspective. Um, and he's being dealt hands in which would not be beneficial for most offensive co- coordinators at that point in time. If you don't have control or you don't have a lot more influence over who's actually playing or who's coming in down to down, you're really just kind of like, Oh, okay. We're going to give the ball to Barnes who we haven't given the ball to all day long. Um, for very valid reasons. And now game on the line, this is the guy getting the ball. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that just seems strange to me. 
Like I don't see I don't see Levy going down there calling like, yeah, it's uh it's four you know it's our last play. Like give me uh, Freeman and Gibson. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like that's what he would do. <laughs> but um, it, is there is there anything? I don't know, is there any leeway we can give him Brady on something like that? Or there's, you know, DeMarco's making his own call and I've got my druthers DeMarco <laughs> developing running backs at this point in time, you know, offensive line is shifting constantly. Wide receivers are coming in and out and no one's really making a thing. I mean, previous I'm now I'm ranting, but previously was Andre Anthony. It was Farouk was Nick Anderson. Those are your wide receivers. And then Drake was running slot. Those are your guys. You knew who they were going to be. Now it's who knows who's out there from play to play. And you should be force feeding Farouk, in my opinion, yeah. if that's who it is. But you're not for some reason. I mean, is there anything I'm trying to look at it from not everything as bad as it is, not everything is as good as it is kind of perspective. Sure. But I, I mean, this is where you have to kind of remove the logic from your brain and remember the, the answers, whether they be true or false, that coaches will typically give you oh, it doesn't matter who's out there. You know, we expect everybody to play and ex- execute the play. Like they all know the plays, blah, blah, blah. This is the University of Oklahoma. If you're running back, you should be able to like go forward and hit the hole and all that stuff. So uh, with respect to that question, I would say, well, I mean, Jeff, if you're going to say that over here, well, then you don't get a pass over here because your tallest receivers weren't on the field um, for a, a Hail Mary play at the very end of the game. So, and at the same time, like, did we call timeout on that final play or did we have to rush the to the line for the final play of the game because what, they called timeout. Okay. Uh, so they actually had time to put the guys that they wanted out there. So that, I mean, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I'll plead ignorance. I don't know how that works. Um, I would assume the higher up you get, the more veto power you get, because you always hear all these funny stories about Bob getting in Lincoln Riley's ear and saying, Hey, run the fucking ball, please. And then Lincoln will then magically do what he's told. Um, if Jeff Levy wants people out there, I'm sure he will tell DeMarco, I don't care what you think, put this guy out there. So there is either, um, no one's talking to each other. Everybody's in their own little heads because they're all experts in their own minds. Cause DeMarco is a NFL all pro and OU legend. And Jeff Levy is the next head coach at the university of Houston, I hope. And, you know, Brent is apparently just letting his coordinators coordinate while he coordinates the defense. So. Um, I mean, we're learning a lot about this staff, but unfortunately, you know, when you have a loss like this, um, you learn a lot of not necessarily bad truths because we don't know everything that we're talking about, if it's bullshit or not. But um, I mean, there are similar problems that we kind of thought we saw last year and we're just kind of seeing them now with the Kansas loss. So it just, you know, makes us all the more mad. Yeah, it's it's. The thing I can think of the most is like, you know, like a, like a kitchen. I mean, I think we've all watched the bear, <laughs> at least some of it in the next point in time. It's like the chef can't be in charge of roasting the potatoes. He's got to have a guy who does that. And he's got to be able to trust that guy to do that. But if potatoes come out bad, guess who it's on? It's on the chef. <laughs> and that's just how it is. If, if Levy's and, and, that, and the reason why I bring it up is that I think it's been like every head coach is like, why isn't so-and-so seeing the field more? It's like, well, you're going to have to talk to the position coach. He's the one who sets the rotations and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And Brent obviously is a longtime coordinator, probably really wants to respect those boundaries and really wants to respect those responsibilities from every position coach to, to coordinator position to say, hey, I was in those shoes for a very long time and you need to have your right and you need to have your authority and so on and so forth. I just don't know if that puts any coach in the right way of doing that. Now, my fan conspiracy theory had is given the decision-making that we've seen Levy have 
uh, <laughs> with, the, with the decisions he's put himself in this, this may be structures that were put into place to keep certain things from happening, <laughs> you know? And then now OU is just having to deal with that, this, this outcome of things not being communicated clearly or something because they had to set their own boundaries in order just to have Levy as your offensive coordinator, which then rolls back into my mind of saying, why did you hire him in the first place? Like that's where my mind is right now at this perspective. I don't know. I mean, Alan, I guess I want to toss this the worst question at you at all time, but is there anything is there anything to that where it's like maybe these coordinators have too much authority or maybe Levy doesn't have enough political will to say, stop putting Barnes out there. His foot's not right and he can't make a cut. I mean, is, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like, I don't know. If, if, I was, if I was him, I would not have wanted some of those players on the field when they were on the field and when it mattered. Um, and, you know, the, the answer is always someone else sets the rotations. When it's like, then what the fuck do you do? Yeah, but I mean, like, let's be real here, right? Tawi Walker got got hurt, right? So cost him off. He's out. Major, I don't think he even made the trip. He's, a, you know, he's hurt, so he's out, right? So who are we left with now to, you know, in that situation? You're really choosing between Sawchuck and Barnes. Clearly something with Sawchuck was off. Or a jet they, sweep, they, Alan. Or a jet sweep. Or a jet, him. yeah. Or pardon me, yes, there is the jet sweep. Or putting... Jaleel Farouk back there to run between the A and B gaps because that's clearly you know where he's uh, thrived throughout his career. We've already but, lost one receiver this year, <laughs> but like so so you know I mean all those are those are all great questions and like I wish I had an answer. I, I don't know if you know there's maybe they use those personnel groupings at certain points because of what Kansas was going to do or how they thought Kansas might counter or what have you. I, I really don't, I really just don't know. Um, it just, if there's some issue with like who's playing and who's not like, I don't, I don't, I just don't know if that's a, re- you, you kind of want to trust like the position coaches to know who they need to play if that makes sense, you know, I mean, like there's a certain level of micromanaging there that you just can't like, in my opinion, the answer, like when the, if the potatoes get burned and it's on the chef, you know, I mean, the chef needs to be picking the right people to cook the potatoes. So yeah, it's on the chef, but you know, I mean, it's not a good, that the, just because the potatoes get burned doesn't mean the chef needs to take over that job. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 you know, on that, and on this one, I just, I don't know. Um, there, you know, it, it feels like a, a cop out, but, you know, I mean, to say, to just put it off on the position coaches, but, um, I'd still think I'd prefer it that way as opposed to like a lot of micromanaging. And, and I would too. It's just, I, I'm trying to give for the life of me. I do not know why it's probably because of how I am. I I'm, I'm a slightly bit of a contrarian. I, so many people were in myself included, want to walk Jeff Levy out of Norman. <laughs> Hopefully he finds another coaching job, so on and so forth. If we can all wipe our hands, this situation, but then I sit there and say, okay, let's walk through some of this stuff. Like you said, Tali, he's got one running back worth the damn. <laughs> he gets hurt. He's a walk on. So, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, he's not obviously physically talented enough to be, you know, it's a great story. It's a great story, but Oklahoma shouldn't have quote unquote great stories at running back. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It, well, it, it, <laughs> it yeah. Shouldn't. 
Yeah, but I mean, we're all surprised Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk have sucked this year. Like that, yeah, that, that is a complete for sure. From a recruiting standpoint, those are both wins. And from a development standpoint, after the Cheez It Bowl, we all thought this is going to be good. That's why we all predicted a great rushing attack out of this team. This is an absolute surprise that I mean, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, I mean, I've seen some some people say like on Twitter that you know, they should have gotten a running back out of the portal, blah, blah, blah. Like, again, I know they saw them all offseason. You can't really tell that Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawcheck are going to be complete and utter no-shows for the most part, eight games into a season in summer workouts or in yeah. fall camp. Like, you you can't tell that. It, it's just, it's a suck sandwich if we're having to eat it. But I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a case like that where it's like, oh, we it shouldn't have to be Tawi Walker. I mean, technically it shouldn't, but I mean Tawi has proven to be good. But um, I mean, oh, he's got Taylor Tatum coming to town, hopefully still um, next season. And if he proves to be a bust, well, that's going to be a bad surprise that we'll have to pivot from. But hopefully, we will have other guys in the backfield that just kind of make you forget about him being a bust if that's the case. Well said by Brady and Allen. Uh, thank you guys so much. We're going to try to move on now to Bedlam, the game that's coming up this week. Uh, <laughs> um, we have Oklahoma, OSU, probably the last time in the foreseeable future. I don't think anyone has an open spot for a while to kind of make this work. Uh, it does seem like it's going to be the last time. Oklahoma is looking to uh, basically you know, win the quote-unquote last Bedlam uh, and keep Oklahoma State from getting 20 wins. I believe they're sitting at 19 right now. Um, so it'd be very nice. It'd be very bad for, uh, in my opinion, for Brent to be the guy who allowed uh, uh, Oklahoma State to kind of cross that thre- threshold. Um, if we've seen of Oklahoma State, they are a have now rounded into a randomly good football team, or at least a randomly good team who's good at getting Ollie Gordon the football <laughs> and then making sure he has every opportunity to succeed, which hey, if you're a good football coach, that's your job. You find out who your good players are and you put them in the positions to succeed. That, that is your gig at that point in time. You figure out every single way of doing it. Uh, then you had, a, you know, a Gundy Saints, a 50-50 rivalry, which is obviously a, a massive joke. Uh, but it, it is the last time here. It's, it's the last time going up. Uh, Alan has, if he's going to stick to his prediction, had a, a craziness saying this was going to be a, a, an OSU victory of weirdness in Stillwater. I still potentially think uh, the Grantland uh, uh, monster uh, Squinky, I think that was that was the name or uh, something like that, will uh, destroy Oklahoma State's uh, and, and break their hearts one last time um, against Oklahoma. Uh, Alan, is there anything from this Bedlam game that you're really trying to keep an eye on or you're really looking forward to watching? Is it purely just can Oklahoma tackle Ollie Gordon? <laughs> and if he, they can do that, the game kind of figures itself out? Oh, you know... I mean, Ollie Gordon is where your your you know your eyes have to go immediately, right? I mean, it's been that productive in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it's probably not uh, a coincidence that OSU's fortunes seem to have changed by going writing him more. But you know, I mean, one of the things that I'm I'm actually looking at more is like it, one thing that uh, you know, I mean, in the last couple of weeks you know, OU struggled with quarterbacks in my opinion, or has had to at least account for quarterbacks as runners. Right. And I don't feel like that's an issue with Bowman. And um, I think that in a lot of ways that 
that works better for OU insofar as, I mean, you know, they can really pin their ears back and go. You know what I mean? You're not worried about giving up a, ru- a running lane to the quarterback. Um, so, like, you know, if you think back to, like, say, how you defended uh, Texas with Quinn Ewers, I mean, very similar thing where they were kind of just, you know, the front four was, like, unleashed. So that that's one thing that I'm looking for this week is how are they – how do they take advantage of Bowman's historical fragility? You know what I mean? And also um, like the lack of his, his less, less of his ability to run, I guess. Yeah. That's something that I guess if you were to put it, paint some positivity on this, it's a lack. Yeah. With uh, uh, USC, UCF and Kansas, obviously uh, watching Bean and, and Plumlee, take themselves down the field and be able to run and stretch us out and putting the linebackers in a lot of, you know, conflicted, conflicted positions and also kind of muting the pass rush at that point in time. I mean, Oklahoma's pass rush against Kansas was, you know, anemic. It just wasn't able to get to the point. Um, if you don't have to do that, if you can just put pin your go get that guy. <laughs> Seems to be pretty easy. And then the, the, the linebackers job should be much easier. It should be follow number zero. <laughs> what he does, we do, you know, and maybe that can simplify stuff. That said, uh, you know, the last three coaches have also had that should have had that exact same game plan. And uh, it does, didn't matter. The dude still got 250 plus yards you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. on, on anyone he's played at this point in time since they actually started using him, which, you know, the first two now Oklahoma State fans, I would be mad for a different reason. <laughs> wondering why we have two <laughs> losses when we have this random dark horse uh, Heisman candidate if he keeps rattling off games of this nature. Um, Matt, what do your think thoughts of uh, the last bedlam? Uh, man, I'm excited. Uh, definitely excited to watch it. I think for whatever reason, I guess this is just my like knee jerk reaction. You know, after Brady and I got done with the with the recap and uh, you know just kind of talking about this game, it would make all the sense in the world, right? If OU just plays great against Oklahoma State for whatever reason. And we all just look back at at Lawrence and just like what like what the hell was that? Like we're seeing OU play great, and but what the hell was that last week? It just in some weird twisted way that would make all the sense in the world. But uh, last bedlam ever in Stillwater, I'm not expecting it to go uh, uh, swimmingly like an easy win. You know, <laughs> I'm not expecting that at all. Uh, Oklahoma State's been playing too well, just plain and simple, man. Their defense. Um, you know, Nick Martin on defense linebacker. I mean, Danny Stutzman has been fantastic on defense. One of the best linebackers in America. I mean, and we're all impressed with the numbers that he puts up every game. Go look at some of Oklahoma state's box scores and Nick Martin, man, he is everywhere. Uh, you know, whether it's tackles for loss, I mean, every game is like, it seems like he has like 15, 17 tackles. Uh, he had 12 against Cincinnati in a blowout win. Uh, up there in Stillwater, uh, their defense is kind of like it's it's kind of coming around because I feel like they had Colin Oliver. He was such a good pass rusher, you know, last year and the year before that, and they tried to make him like this weird, awkward, like hybrid linebacker stand up, you know, go out in coverage sometimes. And then the past however many games after the bye week, they were like okay, you know that one thing you were really good at doing? We're going to have you do that again. And that's rushing the passer. Like, we're going to have you pin your pin your ears back and uh, not make you go out into coverage as much, and we're going to let you rush the passer. So, like, that, Kendall Daniels is making some plays. Uh, hashtag OK Preps. 
there for Kendall Daniels, but it, it feels like every other game, man, they have another wide receiver that just steps up. Like this week against Cincinnati, it was Leon Johnson, the transfer from a Division three school uh, in Oregon. <laughs> like they were, you know, planning on redshirting and – all of a sudden, they have a ton of injuries on their wide receiver core. He has five catches, 149 yards, and whenever he has to play, basically, out of necessity. Like, they just have guys that kind of step up. So, but similar to what Allen said, like, the fact that Alan Bowman is basically a statue back there, I think the defensive ends, defensive linemen should be just kind of licking their chops, pinning their ears back, and, like, let's let's get after it. I mean – you know, I, it's tough because obviously the thing you want to start off saying is, oh, just stop Ollie Gordon and it'll be fine. But everyone these past however many weeks has been like, yeah, we'll just stop Ollie Gordon. It'd be, be really easy to do. And uh, it has not been easy at all. So uh, I'm not expecting this to go to be an easy win for Oklahoma. Uh, Going to be a knockdown drag out. All right, Brady, your last one. Take us home. What do you think about the uh, this Bedlam game? And then I'll get everyone's score predictions. I, I don't I have very little confidence with the offense. And again, like if you haven't followed along, it has less to do like with Dylan Gabriel's play or if Tommy Tommy Walker can go or not, the receivers, you know, it's it's just mainly to do with I don't know what the identity of this offense is. And I think the defense is going to have successes, but I don't know if the offense is going to be able to reward the defense for those early successes. And if a running back is just running down your throat, that's going to, you're going to snap at some point. I don't, I hate, I hate where my brain's at with this game. I don't, I, I just, I don't think OU's going to win. Um, And it just has everything to do with my lack of confidence, lack of faith in the offensive coaching staff. It's, I mean, what, what hope do you have with the offense after the last two weeks, like what, what has Jeff Levy done to give any OU fan hope that it'll just be magically better? I guess that's it. It's just, it'll magically be different. Um, maybe what Alan was talking about with um, OSU's offense presenting a much on paper, much easier challenge in terms of the diversity of their offense compared to UCF and um, Kansas uh, maybe that will bleed over onto the offense where the defense will be ultra aggressive and maybe get the ball, you know, whatever. And the offense will have more opportunities. You know, it's, it's a give and take game, but you know, I, I'm just kind of big on trends and the offense is just trending in the absolute wrong direction at the worst time. And yeah, I just, I don't like it. I think there's some stuff you can look at. Again, it depends on how healthy everyone is. I mean, Oklahoma did put up 269 yards rushing against Kansas. Now, again, not a Kansas is an offensive juggernaut. Did have five rushing touchdowns. You know, if you were to tell me, you know, OU's getting 250 plus on the ground and five rushing touchdowns, you have to just assume they walked out of that game winners. Uh, things got fluky and weird. Um, I think from an now, I'm just responding directly to your thing. Uh, I think the offense doesn't magically get better. I think it does what it normally does, and you're going to see them be able to score points. There's going to be areas of the time where it looks like they're sharp, they're able to move the football, unless there's a 10-mile-an-hour wind, then hands off. You know, (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen at that point in time? But I do think you're going to see this offense perform. Again, it's not like Oklahoma State is a juggernaut on on defense. I think they're ranked 49th via uh, ESPN's SP Plus rankings. They are the 24th ranked uh, offense at this point in time. Um, 
Oklahoma is a favorite. They're a six. They're favored by six points. I do not believe they can cover that number at this point in time. The current makeup they have, the current mental stuff. That said, even when Oklahoma was not a good football team last year, and you can tell me Oklahoma was like ten points combined from going nine and three or whatever. In my opinion, they were ten points combined from going three and nine. <laughs> like they, they they weren't that great last year. Oklahoma still dog walked Nebraska. I mean. He and they still beat Oklahoma State. I mean, he cares about rivalry games. He understands that point of it. I mean, he understands that. I, I think Brent is going to be on top of it. I think you have to think whatever lacks the dazzleness, whatever unseriousness about whatever unserious individuals have been like walking around in you know in the football facilities, that's been rooted out because it's bedlam. And uh, that's just a thing that I think rings true and rings solid at this point in time from that perspective. Um, I personally have Oklahoma winning 34-31, not covering, uh, being kind of an ugly classic Big 12 football game where it's like, man, this is an ugly football game, but they somehow both scored over 30 points. Uh, uh, I think it will be kind of that type of frustrating game for both fan bases. But I do have OU kind of squeaking it out, mainly because I think Brent is good in rivalry games, and I damn know sure well Mike Gundy is uh, not a good football coach when it comes to playing against Oklahoma. Uh, just, just historically, he just it, he he becomes the most conservative coach in the history of conservative coaches uh, usually when he's coaching against uh, uh, Oklahoma. So I have Oklahoma winning thirty four thirty one in a game that will make us all want to turn in uh, our fandom hats, Alan. <laughs> Well, uh, I know you've been writing a, a much different tune in that, mainly because of the weirdness of the last bedlam. I'm not even thinking about refs at this point in time, so my, uh, you know, very quickly could change. But what do you think? How do you think it finishes out? Yeah, you know, when I made that pick <laughs> back uh, before the season, you know, I mean, my whole thing was, yeah, there's going to be a lot of weirdness uh, around this game, and you know. Yeah you know, whatever the, the environment will be like. So this is, and this is going to sound corny and this is going to sound weird. Okay. But earlier this week, I don't know if you guys were watching, they announced the captains for this game and it's Mm -hmm. all Oklahoma kids. Right. And like, I don't find anything special about who's the captain. And I really don't find anything special about like the idea that, you know, oh, these kids are from Oklahoma. They're going to take this game different. They're going to play this game differently or take it more seriously, whatever. What I do find interesting about that is like, clearly this is on Brent Venable's mind. Like clearly he is taking this game seriously. Clearly he is emphasizing how important this is. And I think for all the good that's happened this year, I think he can probably recognize, hey, if I go out and, and lose the last bedlam game that we're going to play for however long that's going to be that's going to that's that's going to i'm going to lose some of my goodwill here right i think that they're going to come out i think that they're going to play well i think that they're going to uh you know limit a lot of what the osu can do offensively i think that they're going to really get after bowman and one thing to keep in mind if you look back at uh, you know, OSU's last few wins, particularly the win against West Virginia and Kansas, they had some, they OSU got had drives of like that started on like the West Virginia 39, the West Virginia 27, 
the West Virginia 46. In fact, I think they got 21 points off those three drives that I just mentioned. In the fourth quarter, every single possession they had started inside KU territory based on turnovers or what have you, and they got points off that. Like, at some point, you can't keep doing that. Like that can, that's that's not a, a sustainable, sustainably winning formula. And I think that the Sooners are going to uh, get right at least for a week, right, and uh, pull pull out a thirty-eight twenty-eight win. The flip flopper. Okay, on, on the good side, I love it. Thirty-eight twenty-eight. Oh, you have them covering too. Look at you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is the get yeah. right game. And you're reading stuff differently than I am. Uh, 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 Matt, what do you think is going to happen here via the score? Man, um, it almost feels like sacrilegious not to pick this game to go over. Like just the last Bedlam game ever not going over. I can't imagine that happening. I'm looking right now at 60 and a half on Bavada. Um, but man, I don't know if I can if I can bring myself to go over. I think o, I think OU's defense has a bounce back. Um, I think the offense looks a little better than it did. Uh, obviously, I, I don't know if they'll run the ball as well, but um, obviously expect them to open it up a little bit more, especially with Brent Venable's comments today being like, yeah, I feel like we could have been more aggressive and the opportunities were there to be more aggressive. You know, I, I think that's for sure going to happen. Also, Levy last year, I mean, to start the game, I mean, the first quarter was awesome. Right? <laughs> 28 to nothing. There's like out of nowhere. Uh, it, we won't talk about what happened the rest of the probably three would, quarters. Probably, probably would have been 35 to nothing if Braden Willis didn't fumble. True, true. And then uh, we're not going to talk about what happened the rest of the game. It's not really important. Um, and even, you know, uh, giving the ball back in like 35 seconds and Mike Gundy's like, I don't have to use these timeouts. That's cool. Uh, but I, I'm, man, it, re- it really does feel sacrilegious not to pick over. So I'm going to switch my score a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to go, 34-31, OU gets the win. All right, writing that down right now. And Brady, I know your score because you typed it to me already. But let, but let the let the key holders know what, what's going to go down uh, at this the very, very last bedlam. Well, before I piss everybody off, let me just say, uh, <laughs> um, I was very excited to hear that Gentry, Gentry Williams uh, practiced today because – I mean, obviously, you can just point to the Kanai Walker gaffe at the end uh, on that fourth down against Kansas, but clearly Gentry Williams is a very pivotal player on this defense. So him playing, I mean, if he's close to 100%, if he can just play the whole game, like what passing attack OSU presents or as a challenge, I mean, that should be relatively taken care of, which would then make the rush defense have a little bit more help reinforcements, whatever you want to call it and trying to stop Ollie Gordon. So I was happy to hear that um, real quick. Are we all under the impression Stutzman's playing? Like, is anybody like fearful that he just will be a scratch? I, My cause, assumption cause, is that he's going to be taped up and shot up with so much stuff. He'll be playing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause based on your guys' predictions, I, I assume, I guess that means Stutzman's playing or uh, I mean, even if that means more Kip Lewis, I guess that could still be pretty good. Cause Kip's good, but like I said, guys, um, I just don't see it with the offensive philosophy. I don't see it with the offensive direction. And that's not me saying that I don't believe in Dylan Gabriel or Tawi Walker or the offensive line or Jalil Farouk, Drake Stoops. I believe in these players. And if they're put in positions to ball out like they were for the first five and a half weeks, 
um, five and a half games, six and a half games, whatever, um, then they can show what they're capable of. But their uh, their uh, OC over the last, you know, like what do you want to call it? Maybe like twenty overall offensive sequence drives has just, I mean, like more than half of those drives has just been utterly like weird weirdly conservative trying to outsmart everybody on in situations where you don't need to fucking do it and i can just see the ego bleeding into this game of like oh yeah bet last bedlam huh let me show let me put my stamp on it like oh god so um i'll piss everybody off i i think ou's going to walk into an absolute hornet's nest and not because of the environment because there's going to be a shit ton of ou fans there like there always is um, and OU has won in Stillwater technically more times um, against OSU than they've won in Norman. So it is what it is. Uh, but I think they're going to walk into a hornet's nest of offensive ineptitude, lack of an identity, bleeding onto the defense, uh, getting fatigued, getting tired, and all those bad tendencies um, showing themselves. I think OSU is going to win big. I think it's going to be like a 2011 type loss i think i mean 35 10 osu i i hate the spot ou's in i want to be like hey they got their bad loss out of the way but i mean if i'm going to be logical and follow my little line of logic that i've made myself or made for myself on this podcast ucf was supposed to be that wake up call and it wasn't so i don't what that results in is not a good place for ou football and i just i don't like it i wish they were playing west virginia and norman this week and not osu well, there you have it, everyone. Uh, please uh, aim your tomatoes and your bricks and everything else you're going to throw uh, at Brady, uh, not at the, the rest of us. We have uh, Oklahoma going out of here. Um, I do think it will be a close game, obviously. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we could we could have we could be seeing the tail end of the ability to keep the season on track for Oklahoma uh, after Bedlam. Uh, for all the Oklahoma fans uh, who may be looking for a uh, you know a little bit of a break from Oklahoma football. Hey, November 14th, Victor Wimbanyama will be in Oklahoma City. Uh, you can check him out. Uh, I'll be there to, to see the uh, the tall guy, the big Vic, as Bumani Jones has said uh, to call him from moving forward because Wimby's a boring nickname or a lazy one. Uh, but anyway, uh, I want to say thank you guys so much. Thank you, uh, the patrons who support us on patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Thank you, Vanessa House, for being our title sponsor and keeping the lights on. And thank you, uh, Spirit Shop and Norman also for everything that you guys do uh, for myself, for Matt, for Brady, for Alan, uh, for everyone here. Boomer. Sir. Yeah.